Matthew chapter 1. Wow, what a great group of kids. Looking forward to seeing them tonight in the program. I hope you can make it back for that. A little distracted today. Have you ever watched a Hallmark movie and not finished it? It's terrible. The big city girl moves to a small town, takes over her to take over her mother's business while she recovers from surgery, leaves her highly successful fiance back in the city, but now reunites with a handsome guy she went to school with. Doesn't have a job, but he wears a lot of flannel shirts for some reasons. And uh, but you don't see all. How's this going to end? You know, it's just it's uh, which will she choose? A lot of fun things at Christmas, isn't it? The last time we talked about the fear in the Christmas story, and today I want to look at the courage of Christmas. Uh, courage is doing what you're afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you're scared. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, "Whatever you do." You need courage. Whatever course you decide upon, there's always someone to tell you you're wrong. There's always difficulties arising to tempt you to believe that your critics are right. To map out a course of action and follow it to an end requires the same courage that a soldier needs. Peace has its victories, but it takes brave men and women to win them. Now, courage is not limited to the battlefield or skydiving or catching a thief in your house. The real tests of courage are much deeper. They're much quieter. They are real, really they're inner tests like remaining faithful when no one's looking, doing right when it's not easy, standing alone for your principles, obeying God when it makes no human sense. And that last one is what we're going to focus on today. I'm ringing back just a little bit. Turn me down just a uh, touch there, Caleb. We're going to see the, uh, a couple that obeyed God when it made no human sense. A man and his wife entered a dentist's office, an illustration I read recently, and, and uh, the man, they're in a, they just kind, kind of burst in there in a hurry. The man says, listen, doc, we're in a hurry today, and I need a tooth pulled. He says, I don't want to fool around with gas or Novocaine or any of that stuff. I just want to get it pulled and get it done quickly so we can move on out of here. The dentist said, wow, he said, you are... Uh, Brave man. He says, which tooth is it? The man looks at his wife. Show him your bad tooth, honey. Uh, you, you see, it's not really courage unless it involves a risk on your part. Amen? When we come to the Christmas story, we find courage all throughout this account. And I want find it especially in the lives of Joseph and Mary. Let's read today Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son. I shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The courage of Christmas. Father, I pray you'd help us in the next few minutes here we have together to challenge us especially through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. For centuries the Israelites had awaited the coming Savior. Something that you may not have thought about before, but think about the care in which, Jesus, in which God would put 
his son. Think about the care taken to choose that home. I mean, he's going to put his son incarnate as a little baby, first of all, then a little toddler, then a little boy, into a home on earth. So I want to send my son, and as his eyes swept across the earth looking for just the right home, yes, the mother of Jesus would have to be special, and Mary fit the bill. Now understand this, she was a special lady, but she was never meant to be worshipped. She was never meant to be deified, and there's probably no one more horrified at that thought than Mary herself. She was a sinner saved by grace just as we are. And also then, the father would need to be an extraordinary individual. For you see, he would not really be the father, but he would play the role of the father in raising this young boy into manhood. Uh, Just the right home would need to be chosen for the Christ child. Let me ask you this question this morning. If he had to choose a home today, would your home fit the bill? Would your home be the right one for uh, the Christ to come into? So God found just the home that he wanted. He called Mary and Joseph as a couple. The Bible says he found this choice young lady. Uh, Mary, the Bible says she found favor with God. She was a God-fearing young lady. He found Joseph an often overlooked man, but an extraordinary one. He was a father, scripturally speaking, who was completely silent. Not one word of his is recorded in scripture, but his silence was eloquent, uh, better than words. Emerson said, what you you do speaks so loud, I cannot hear what you say. Joseph, along with Mary, displayed an incredible courage that I want to highlight today. It would be Joseph who would take Jesus uh, to the temple, setting a pattern of obedience to God's law. It would be Joseph who would frantically search for Jesus, who as a 12-year-old remained at the temple. It would be Joseph who would raise this young man into adulthood. He fulfilled the responsibility that God placed on his shoulders, even though it would have been far easier to refuse. There's something I'd like for you to consider in this story that we read this morning in the Christmas story. Mary received Christ into her life in a rather unique way. She was approached by an angel and conscripted, if you will. She was recruited as, a, as the mother of Jesus. No one else has ever or will ever receive Jesus into their life the way she did, uh, actually fa- uh, mothering this child. Joseph, on the other hand, is a little easier for us to identify with. He had Jesus coming to his life as well, But what Joseph was about to do is to sweep away the coming Christ into his life. He was about to take Jesus out of his life. And you have to be sympathetic with him. He was in a terrible position. Here he is espoused to, uh, which is a little more intense than we would use engaged, but this was a little more, uh, to be espoused was to be every, basically you were married without the physical relationship yet. And so he was a spouse to this girl. And here he is engaged to a woman who is now pregnant. And Joseph is thinking, I don't know who the father is. But I do know who the father is not. It is not me. And it's a terrible place to be in. So the Bible says he's about to put her away. This was akin to divorce. Uh, engagement in those days was a very binding thing. He was about to break this betrothal. It was Joseph. Uh, The Bible says that he was a just man. He wanted to do the right thing. He thought that he was being very big about this, by the way. 
uh, to put her away privately, not to make a big scene about it. Uh, so he, he could make a public statement. He could bring her, drag her in front of the leaders and make a big spectacle out of it, but he decided he would not do that. So he's telling himself, I'm a good man. I'm doing this because uh, what she has done is wrong, and it was wrong. It was against, uh, it would have been, had it not been a, an immaculately conceived baby. The, the uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22 is very clear. No sex before marriage, even if you're betrothed. Uh, it was wrong then, and by the way, it's still wrong today. And so, but Joseph said, I'm a righteous man. I'm a very kind man. I'll put her away quietly. She's going to be disgraced eventually. But may I put that off just a little bit, put her away quietly. But the angel comes to Joseph and he says something very interesting. He essentially, by what he says first, tells Joseph, you're not, I'm not coming to you because you're not really trying to do the right thing here. Your problem is you're afraid. Look at the first words he says to him. Fear not to take Mary, to take unto thee Mary. Joseph doesn't think it's fear. He thinks he's doing the right thing. But the angel comes to Joseph and says, it's fear. Don't be afraid. Here's the point of the angel's message. What Joseph is being asked to do is going to take a tremendous amount of courage. Receiving Christ into your life still takes courage, I would say. Now, there's many places in the world today that you do so at the danger of your life. But for everyone, no matter where you are, you will not receive Christ into your life unless you have the courage to accept three different things I want to look at this morning that we see in this story. There are all here three things Joseph had to accept, three things you have to accept. First of all, you have to have the courage to accept the world's disdain. Now, he says here, or Joseph essentially is saying, look, I'm a good person, he's a just person, he's a righteous person, I'm being kind, I'm being fair. But we have to understand one thing, that Mary is disgraced. In uh, verse number 19, he's not willing that, to make of her a public example. This word, the words public example literally, uh, the original words literally mean to expose to public disgrace. Even if he marries her immediately, people aren't stupid. They're going to know because there's this thing called math, okay? So you got married in January, they had the baby in May. Something doesn't add up here. So people would understand. They would know. It was absolutely inevitable here that Mary's life would be ruined. She would be cut off from her family to some degree. She would be socially marginalized. Her life was blown up. She was going to be disgraced. Now for Joseph to receive Christ into his life now, uh, if he marries her, disgrace is going to come to him too. Understand again, how serious of a decision this was for him. The only way he can be free of this disgrace if he divorces her or separates from her. Then it'll be clear to everyone that she has been unfaithful to him. But if he marries her, has this child six months later, he is hitching his wagon to her disgrace. He's going to be lumped in with this. He knows if I bring this child into my life, I'll get the disdain of everyone. My life will be ruined. This is going to take, what I'm trying to point out today, courage to do the right thing. The angel says, fear not to take unto thee Mary. To some level, this is true of every Christian. If you say Jesus Christ has forgiven my sins, I know the Lord, I'm going to heaven. By the way, I hope you can say that today, amen? I hope you can say that I am a sinner saved by grace. 
uh, Jesus has saved me, I know 100% for sure that I'm going to heaven. But if you say that, this does not fit into the world's philosophy. The world's response to that is, who do you think you are? You think you're better than us. See, the world doesn't understand the gospel. And the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are uh, foolishness unto him. The world says, if there is a God, then the only people that would be able to get to God are those who are very good. And you Christians say you know God, and then that must mean you think you're better than everyone else. Of course, the truth is we're not better than anyone. We're just sinners saved by grace. Amen? That's the truth of the gospel. We do say this, though. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And that takes courage. That's why some of the biggest preachers of the day will not say this publicly. It wasn't so long ago. I can't believe it's been 2005 because it doesn't seem that long ago. But June 20th, 2005, Pastor Joel Osteen sits on national television on the Larry King Live show. What follows I took from a, the CNN transcript word for word, and I quote, King, what if you're Jewish or Muslim or don't accept Christ at all? Osteen. You know, I'm very careful about saying who would and wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. King, if you believe that you have to believe in Christ, then they're wrong, aren't they? Osteen, well, I don't know, and continues to vacillate. My friend, that is a lack of courage. Who wants? He knows what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There is no other. If you're a Muslim putting your faith in Muhammad, he'll take you right to hell. That's the truth of the matter. It takes some courage to say that, though, doesn't it? But this, this is what I'm saying. It takes courage to come to Christ. It takes courage to have Christ in your life. It takes courage to say the truth as it is in the Bible. And so that's why so many people don't do it. The Bible is very clear. It pulls no punches. It is clear in Scripture, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh through the Father but through me. Acts 4, 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. Uh, for no, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. It does not matter if you've been a member of a church all your life. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized as a baby. It does not matter if you've lived a good life. You see, the sin problem is not a behavioral one. It is a condition Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned, so we all have a part of this condition. Paul describes sin as coming short of the glory of God. It's a failure to meet the divine standard. I read about two men who went to the recruiting office to join a guards regiment. The standard height for a guardsman was a minimum of six feet. One man was taller than the other, but when measured, both were disqualified. The shorter of the two measured only five foot seven, which, by the way, is the perfect height, five foot seven. I am five foot seven, and I don't know, you might not even know this, but I am one inch above the national average height for men in China. I am. I am proud of that fact. Anyway, one was five foot seven, and the other was five foot eleven. One came closer to the standard but both of them were short of the standard, and thereby both got rejected. It did not matter that their fathers were guardsmen. It did not matter that they promised to be a good soldier. It did not matter that they had memorized the drills and knew the regulations by heart. They were short of the standard. And sin is coming short of the standard that God puts for us. Some people come so come obviously short of the standard, you know, 
wicked people, those that uh, sin and those that murder and steal and rob and do all those type of things, and they're obviously unfit for heaven. Others are moral and sincere. By human standards, they ought to have a good chance of winning God's approval. But when we are measured uh, by God for heaven, we are not measured by man's standards. We are measured by God's standards, and we all fall short. Praise God, He removes the frustration of our failures by providing a way through His Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 10.13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You cannot receive Christ into your life unless you're willing to accept, to some degree, the disdain of the world. If you've been saved any amount of time, you've probably seen it, how your narrow-minded thinking will alienate others, or your standing for right and your standards that you have for living for God uh, will separate you from old friends. In short, there's going to be a disdain of the world in your life. Friend, if that causes fear in your heart, look at Mary and Joseph. Two illiterate teenagers who did not re- who who they who did receive into their lives Jesus Christ. They did get the disdain of the world, but look at a, as a result what has happened. All the people who despised them, all the people throughout their life who put their turned on their nose at them and wouldn't invite them to their parties and wouldn't have a part have anything to do with them. What are their names, friend? Where are they at? They've been lost to the dust of history. But Mary and Joseph did by faith. They did have the courage to do the right thing. And look what happens with those who have the courage to do the right thing. This is the first thing Joseph is saying. No, no, I'm doing the right thing. He said, after all, look at what she's done. I'm following the law. The angel comes and says, no, you're a coward. Be not afraid. Fear not to take unto thee Mary. Secondly, we see in this story, you must have the courage to accept his lordship. One of the most striking things about this passage is what the angel tells Joseph here. Uh, Look at verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. The angel basically tells Joseph here, don't name him. You Let me tell you what you're going to name him. You're going to name him Jesus. You don't name him. Here's his name. Now stop for a minute here. Parents have the right to name their kids, right? Won't they? When I had, when, I didn't have any children. I suffered through watching. But, I, but when my wife had our children, we, between us, we had the right to name our children. That's our children. We have the right to name them. You had the right to name your child when they're born. Uh, it's one of the rights of parents. Now, uh, especially in Bible times, naming was a big deal. Naming something or someone is a sign of superiority or authority. You only have the authority to name something that you own or the authority to name something that's under your management, right? So you invent it, you name it. You start a company, you name it. You have a child, you name it. Why? Because that child is under your management. But the angel says here, wait a second, if you receive this child, if you receive the Christ child into your life, he's not under your management, you're under his. You're not going to name him. He's going to name you. I've witnessed to people for years and I've heard all the reasons people are scared to come to Christ. Others will laugh at me or people will scorn me or my friends will make fun of me or disassociate with me. If I become a Christian, will I be able to do that? I don't know how many times I've heard that. Will I still be able to do this? Will I be able to do that? The truth is, friend, unless you're willing to accept Christ into your life 
as Lord and you basically say, whatever you tell me to do or not to do, you're the king and I will obey. Unless you say that to him, he doesn't come at all. The second reason people don't have Christ in their lives is they're scared of his lordship. And yet there is no better life to have than to be under his management. Amen? What a great thing it is to be under the management of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you make life decisions, you do so with two paradigms. You make a decision with the past in your knowledge and the present. That's all you have, those two paradigms. That's how you make any decision that you make in your life. Recently, I was in the middle of a conversation with several other people, and one of the people asked this question, what would you tell your 17-year-old self if you could go back? And answer started to come forth, smile more, enjoy your youth, uh, worry less, be more kind. I listened to these answers by other people, and about that time, I started feeling pretty shallow. In fact, I'm almost guilty to tell you right now, the thing that first jumped into my mind, what would I tell my 17-year-old self? Buy stock in Microsoft and Apple. That's what I'd tell my 17-year-old self. Why? Because I now know the future. I know what comes after my 17-year-old self. All right? I, I've seen what happens between then and now. And so don't you think that you could live your life better knowing what you do now if you're able to go back and make different decisions? Sure we do. Would you? Wouldn't it be wonderful to know someone with your best interest at heart who knows the past, the present, and the future? Wouldn't it be wonderful even better if that person happened to be in control? It'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? Why don't we just trust him? Just trust him. Let him be Lord of your life. Listen, as Christians, if we're going to have Christ in our life, we need to be willing to accept some disdain from the world. We need to be willing to let him be Lord. He needs to be in control of our life and uh, we need to trust him. Thirdly, we must have the courage to admit that you're a sinner. Now, the angel says he shall save his people from their sins. Now, we've already talked about this a little bit, but this may be the scariest thing of all. You can't come to Christ with your own morality. You, you, you can't come thinking that he'll, you need him to just kind of get you over the top after all the good works that you've done. That's not it at all. We have to have the courage to admit that God owes us nothing. Uh, you are a helpless sinner. You cannot save yourself. You cannot possibly live up to His standards. This is the greatest courage of all. Do you have the courage to admit the need? You need to be saved. You need to be rescued. I said rescued, not helped, but rescued. Because we are utterly helpless without the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have the courage to say this morning, God owes me nothing. Without His mercy, I deserve hell itself. That's where we are as sinners. That takes some courage. Why do you think so few people say it? Why do you think so few people come to that conclusion? I mean, you talk to the vast majority of people and they are uh, secure in their own morality. I'm good enough. I think I'll go to heaven because of the person I am. It takes courage to admit our helplessness. Unless you have the courage to say these three things, I accept the disdain of the world, I accept his lordship, I repent, then you're not ready to receive the Christ of Christmas. Now, the world looks as on Christians as weak. It's just, just I was going to say watch CNN. Don't watch CNN. It's not worth it. But if you were to watch such a thing, you'd find out we are held in high disdain by the world today. Jesse Ventura said, organized religion is a sham and a crutch for weak-minded people who need strength in numbers. No, 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 no. He's very wrong. It takes courage to be a child of God. It takes courage. 
There's one more thing I want you to see in this story before we close. When Joseph woke up from this dream, he did a very Christ-like thing. I don't want you to miss this. This is so good. My guess is that by this point, he realized Mary had received this into her life. She did so knowing that it would change her situation forever. That, that must have moved Joseph in itself. Mary was in her weakness unavoidably. Don't miss this. This is so good. While Joseph could have escaped, Mary had no choice. She's pregnant. When you're pregnant, you're pregnant. For Joseph, it was voluntary. But Joseph willingly identified with Mary so that her weakness and her disgrace became his. If he hadn't, you know what would have happened? It would have been terrible. Do you know what it meant to be a single, teenage, pregnant, unwed mother in that culture? The betrothed woman who breaks her engagement through sex was to be killed, even though the Romans didn't allow them to do these things anymore. Historians tell me that sometimes it happened. At the very uh, best, she would have been on the verge of starvation and shame for the rest of her life. She can't go out and get a job in that culture. The only way for her to be saved was for Joseph to give up his life. Uh, The only way for him to be saved was for Mary to give up hers. That is really what it means to be a Christian. Can I help you today? to understand how we're going to get the courage like we find in this story today, you have to see that like Mary, we are in our weakness unavoidably. Nothing we can do about it. We're all born sinners. We're all born with the same condition. We can't help it. Ecclesiastes 7.20, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Jesus, on the other hand, is not. He did not have to come. Jesus' love was not coerced. He wasn't forced. In John chapter 10, he says, I lay down my life. No man taketh it from me. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. Voluntarily, happily, freely, he laid his glory by when he did not have to. We're like Mary. We had to. We're sinners. We're already there. But Jesus Christ, uh, the only way we can be saved is when Jesus did what Joseph did laid his glory aside, identified with us, and gave up his life. What a blessing. He didn't, Jesus didn't have to do any of that, but he did all of it because of his love for you and me. John chapter 3, verse 16, perhaps the most well-known verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Love the song that Brother Rich sang this morning. We need to understand and remember that at Christmas. He was born to die. The Christmas, uh, the, the story of Christmas is so warm and snuggly and we see the Christmas cards and the, the, uh, the, the, scene, the manger scene and all those things evoke such good feelings among us. But you don't forget, friend, that he was born with the very purpose of dying on a cruel cross for your sins and for mine. He didn't have to, though, but he chose to. Joseph looked at Mary losing her life for him. He was willing to lose his life for her. If you look at Jesus losing his life for you, you will have the courage to see yourself as you are. You will have the courage to face what you need to. You'll have the courage to, like Joseph, accept Jesus into your life. You'll have the courage, like Joseph and Mary, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. That's the courage we find at Christmas. Recognizing why Jesus came. It's not just a cute story that we tell our children. Uh, Jesus Christ came so that He could be the propitiation for our sins. He could die in our place. He, he was born in a lowly birth, lived a lowly life, 
and died a criminal's death. And he did it all for you. But he didn't have to. Just like Joseph. Joseph had that choice. He could have sent Mary packing and saved his own reputation, but he chose to identify with her and take her on her shame. And so did Jesus Christ as well. What a blessing. Amen? Let's have every head